If you're not making sales, it's because you're not having enough conversations. It's because you're not doing the actions or the income producing activities that you're supposed to be doing every day. Not on the days you feel like it, not on the days that you decide or get excited about it, but if you're not seeing the results, it's because you're not putting in the right kind of work. So the best advice I can give you is to just go out there and have more conversations. Like it really is that simple. So the big question is this, how do most agents who don't have access to the secrets that most successful agents hoard to themselves grow and prosper in today's competitive real estate environment? That's the question. And this podcast will give you the answers. I'm Pat Hyben and welcome to Real Estate Rockstars. Welcome back, Real Estate Rockstar Nation. This is Matt Templeton, your host. I'm a real estate agent in Albuquerque, New Mexico and Dallas, Texas. And I am hosting today, Nicole Espinosa. You guys are gonna get so much value out of Nicole. She probably does more short sales than anyone else in the country, but she's also just a wealth of knowledge around building an amazing real estate business. So we're gonna unpack what we've got with Nicole in just a second. Thank you guys so much for listening. Hello, Rockstar Nation. This is Matt Templeton, your host for today on Real Estate Rockstars. And today I have an amazing guest, Nicola Spinoza, and she has a really interesting niche market and a ton of education for you. So Nicola Spinoza is the short sale queen. She did over 146 short sales last year and carries almost that many listings at any given time, helping sellers that are in distress. So today we're gonna unpack Nicole's business and find out how you can maybe enter into that market or as you find those people, refer them to the right person to take great care of your clients. So Nicole, tell us a little bit more. I I, I introed a little bit. What you're the short sale queen. What do we need to know about that? Yeah. So um, you definitely hit the nail on the head. It's definitely a niche. <laughs> most, even though I am a real estate agent, um, I'm in a completely different world than most agents that really just don't even understand because most of our conversations are with lenders and dealing with loss mitigation and things like that. Terms you usually don't hear on a daily basis. So we are um, nationwide. So we process short sales in uh, nine different markets right now. We got a little bit ahead of ourselves and we were like in 19 and I'm like, okay, wait, stop. That happened too fast. (laughs) So trying to, you know, we were going wide, trying to um, narrow it down. But yeah, I mean, we, uh, it's all we do. And because it is so specialized, I think it's really important that just in general, that agents are specializing in something, um, but with short sales specifically, because it's, it's so different than normal transactions. We really don't have time to do anything else. It would, it would be a disservice to our clients. Wow. Now you and I've been around for a while and we've, we've seen several different markets and I was doing some stats the other day on the national association of realtors and realtors in the market. And more than half the agents that are in the market right now have only been in the business for three years or less. Right. So we've got all these agents that they don't remember back to 08, 09, 2010, 2011 when short sales were really popular. So tell us for those agents that may not even know what this means. What is a short sale? Absolutely. So what it would look like for a real estate agent is that they're going on a listing appointment and the seller is telling them, Hey, I owe, you know, let's use real numbers. I owe 150,000 and they're looking at the comps and they're like, I can't list your house for more than a hundred. 
And then what do you do at that point, right? Because the seller doesn't have any money to come to closing with. And there's only so much we can do as realtors to reduce our commissions or try to make it work. So in those situations, when you're dealing with expired listings because they couldn't sell because of price, or you're trying to help out a homeowner that owes more than the house of worth, more than the house is worth, that's a short sale. And if they're behind, they have some type of financial hardship. So that's what it looks like for a real estate agent. Gotcha. So it's a negotiation with the bank to take less than what they're, uh, they owe on that property and the seller has a hardship. So they're needing to get, get out of that situation. Correct. Now, how long does a short sale normally take? I mean, what are, what are the, what's the time process for that? So that is a great question and it's everybody's question, but it's so hard to answer because it really depends on the person processing it um, because the agent has so much control of the process. Mm. Um, they have control of whether they're submitting the right documents, if they're talking to the right people, if they're asking the right questions. So for us, our average is three months from start to finish, which is really great because the industry standard is a year and that's if it gets approved. So there's so many moving parts and so many variables, but that's our, our average time frame. So three months from uh, that we're in the seller's living room to yep. the seller is closed or the seller is uh, approved. A seller is closed. So three months on average from they raise their hand and say, I need help. I'm in a bad situation to we're out of your bad situation, moving on to the next thing. Correct. Now, I know you don't work with a lot of buyers. You have team, team members that work with buyers that come off of those listings. When a seller does a short sale, how soon can they buy again? So credit is a revolving factor, right? So we got to make sure that the rest of their credit credit is good. But after completing a short sale, a buyer can or a seller can purchase a property two to two and a half years um, after closing. So it's really good for them because they need that time to kind of rebuild, you know, and I always tell our clients like, Hey, look, this is the perfect opportunity, you know, to fix everything else because Usually when they're behind on one thing, it's a domino effect. They're behind on everything else. So they spend those two years leasing and then they can end up purchasing again. Awesome. Awesome. So keep those people in your, in your lead pipeline. They're going to turn into buyers again, two to three years from now. Uh, great. Now I know that, uh, oftentimes when we're, when we're working with a short sale or or someone's doing a short sale, really you're talking to the bank most of the time and what banks are you seeing are doing the majority of short sales or who are, who's the easiest bank to work with? I'm just curious what you're seeing out there in the market. They're all equally a pain in the butt. (laughs) There's not like one that sticks out. I can say that it changes just because the guidelines change. So it's really not about the servicer. I mean, I think the, the better question is, who is the worst to work with <laughs> because they're all equally terrible. But as far as the probably easiest on top of my head would probably be Aquin, um, only because they've been in so much trouble legally that they, <laughs> that they're a lot easier to work and we have contacts there. So, um, it, you know, but then I can say the same thing about Wells Fargo because we have contacts there too. So, um, they're just extremely picky. So, uh, it depends on the day because, you know, usually I'm upset at more one more than the other, you know, that day. Yeah. And it sounds like you have the like inside scoop on this and that you, you obviously you've done it. So you know, the process, you know, the documents, you know, what's yeah. going to happen when, where it's going to go awry. And, you know, I run Keller Williams offices and, and have Keller Williams yeah. teams. And oftentimes I'm talking to agents and they'll have a, uh, they'll have a seller that's in distress and they say, well, we're gonna have to do a short sale. They've never done that before. What are, the, right. what are the pitfalls? What are the problems with that? I mean, you've got a lot of experience. Where do you see that going problematically? So the best advice I can give to an agent that's thinking about taking one on is to make sure that you either have resources, that you have somewhere to go to, to ask questions, because here's what ends up happening. It's like the blind leading the blind. The banks are not going to tell you what they need. 
they're going to tell you after the fact, like, well, we shut it down because you didn't send us this. And the most agents take the approach of, well, I submitted it. I'm just waiting for them to get back with me. And then the client ends up getting foreclosed on. Just like, uh, yeah, exactly. Waiting for them to get back to me, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Just like any real estate transaction, your success is in asking the right questions. So if you don't know the questions to ask, how are you going to be successful in the transaction? Especially because every short sale is different. So for example, if you have an FHA Wells Fargo, it's going to be a completely different process than um, a Wells Fargo that's a conventional loan. And if you don't understand that, you don't even know where to start. So if you're going to take on a short sell, either, you know, get the information that you need, maybe someone that's already done them before, but don't practice on someone that's in foreclosure because to you, it's a listing that's lost to the person. They're trusting you as the professional. And now they lost their house because Mm -hmm. you didn't know what to do. Wow. And, and we know that you just said with a short sale, they can buy in two to three years with a foreclosure, what, seven years or more, right? Sometimes seven plus um, it's, from the time of the deeds recorded and sometimes it takes like years to do that so yeah Yeah, it can be a lot of times we've seen like nine ten years so yeah short sale is definitely a lot better option not only that but we are settling their debt so they're no longer worried about the liability of that difference so that's really important because that way these homeowners truly get to walk away free and clear and have a fresh start Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I have my coffee mug and on it, it says for the love of real estate and for the lives of our people. And when I hear you talk about that, uh, that idea of like, this is their life, this is their home. This is, and I, I always want to convey this idea to new real estate agents or even agents that have been in the business for a while that have gotten very transactional that, yeah, we can do a lot of volume. We can sell a lot of houses, but these are people's lives. These are, this is about, and we love real estate. Let's, let's really do this at a high level. Let's create amazing customer experiences, not just, oh, we, we tried our best and wash our hands of it. And I didn't make a commission. Oh, well, like this is a big deal. This is a big and important industry. Now, obviously you've already convinced me that I just want to refer my short sales to you or someone else (laughs) in my market. Like I don't want to touch this. I I stopped touching short sales after the last time that short sales kind of went out of vogue. But what question should the, the agent be asking if they're on an appointment and they realize this is going to be a short sale? What things do they need to get? What data do they need to get right away so that they can get it in the hands of someone like you? Absolutely. So the first thing I would ask is, are they in foreclosure or do they have a foreclosure date? And this part, this question is so important because if you're, if you don't know that you have a timeline, like a lot of times clients or homeowners will reach out when it's too late with like, they only have a sense of urgency because they have a foreclosure date set and you as the professional, they may not tell you like they, and it's not, of course, you're going to get some clients that are trying to kind of, you know, pull one over on you. But most of the time, it's ignorance. Most of the time, these sellers, they don't open their mail. Like, these are a different type of client. Most agents are used to, you know, homeowners that the homeowners are driving the bus, right? The homeowners are the ones that know. In the short sale, you're driving the bus in the transaction. And it's a, it's a completely different perspective and, and mind shift change. And a lot of agents you know, really can't get on board with that. And they're like, well, the the seller didn't tell me, well, you're the professional, you have to ask. So the number one thing that I would ask is, you know, is there a sale date? So that way, you know, if you're up against um, a timeframe, and then I would find out, you know, who the lender is, and what type of loans, like what's owed against the property. You know, that's really important, because you could be dealing with multiple lenders, you could be dealing with a lot of different things that you are responsible for negotiating. So I would start there. Um, Those are two really important questions. If you think that this client is a potential short sell.
Do the math. It's worth every single dollar. This is a quote from Mr. Bill Reed, who took my certified listing agent program. He says, looking to take your listing presentation to the next level. Listen, I've closed 100% of the appointments since I took Pat Hyben's certified listing agent. Five appointments, five new clients in 60 days. Do the math. It's worth every single dollar. Now you can get the certified listing agent course. You can get the certified buyer agent course, which tells you how to close every single buyer that calls in if you want them. You get the certified team agent course, which teaches you how to build a dynamite team like Jeff Cohn, who teaches the course. It's like a 10-hour course from Omaha, Nebraska, Berkshire Hathaway's top agent, and seven other courses. Total of 11 courses, all five-star rated, only 97 bucks a month. If you paid for them individually on the website, they would cost over $10,000. And we are running a special now at futureofrealestatetraining.com where you can get them for $97 a month. That's all you can eat, $97 a month, all these courses. That's futureofrealestatetraining.com, futureofrealestatetraining.com. Check it out. Rockstar Nation, this is a great time to leverage yourself and hire a virtual assistant. I'm talking about my Outdesk. If you haven't heard of my Outdesk, basically they are a virtual assistant company, a VA company that specializes in virtual assistants for real estate agents. Yeah, I'm talking about transaction coordinators. Marketing assistants, I'm talking about ISAs, inside sales agents that prospect thousands and thousands of seller leads and buyer lead follow-ups. I mean, these guys are trained in this stuff specifically. You're not using a company that doesn't know or understand real estate sales. Four out of five of the top teams in the U.S. use my Outdesk for their virtual assistants. And because I know the owner, Daniel Ramsey, I've known him for over a decade, and I know how awesome and incredible this company is and how it saves agents thousands and thousands of dollars every single week and makes them thousands and thousands of more every single week, we're going to give you a $400 coupon off of your first month of a virtual assistant and give you access and give you a free book entitled scaling your business with virtual professionals so you can like read it and look into it before you decide anything it's called scaling your business with virtual professionals and you can get it real easy all you got to do is text the word hyben h-i-b-a-n to 31996 that's h-i-b-a-n to 31996 and download your free book scaling your business with virtual professionals and don't forget to mention also that you get a $400 discount which will give you a coupon for that when you download the book thank you guys and I hope you enjoy and make a ton of money using my outdesk So I'm gonna I want to recap that because that last two or three yeah. minutes is golden for those of you that are talking to distressed homeowners. Is there a sale date? Like, are we in foreclosure yet? Do we know yet? Right? That was yeah. huge. <laughs> Who is the lender? Because if I'm gonna hand this off to a Nicole or another short sale person, I've got to know 
who you're going to be dealing with. And maybe I need to figure out who the specialist in that area is. Are you, Nicole's a, knows all the banks, but Aquin and Wells Fargo, she's got people at, so I don't know that. Okay. And then what type of loans, FHA, conventional, VA, uh, uninsured, et cetera. Okay. What type of loans? Cause that's going to matter significantly. And then what is owed? And, and specifically, is there more owed than just the principal balance? They may give you one statement and then there's a yep. second loan, a HELOC on there too. And you don't even know right. that you've got to go negotiate the second one. So well, those let's are- take it a little bit further. Great. Like not only what is owed, but what's the actual payoff? Because most people look at their mortgage statement and they see their unpaid principal balance. But what you need to understand is that if somebody is behind, that that unpaid principal balance is only based off of if someone was current. So taking it a step further, there, there have been times where, you know, the seller is convinced that they owe 200000 and then we've gotten the payoff and it comes back at two sixty, and you're like, oh crap, like I was basing all my numbers off of that two hundred, and now, so always get a payoff. You know, sometimes when we're at the appointment, we just have them call right then and there because they don't know. They don't know. Rockstar Nation, that is some of the best advice. Even if you're dealing with <laughs> traditional real estate. Often the people don't know what their payoff is. They see the mortgage balance. If they're, even if they're not behind, they're still going to owe some interest on that closing. And they'll, come, they'll get to closing and they'll say, that's not what my balance, my statement said. And you're like, no, no, that's what the bank told us the payoff was. So knowing how payoffs are calculated, and especially if they're behind or if there's judgments or if there's other things, knowing that the payoff is going to be much higher than what they were thinking. And then your job as a real estate professional is to set those expectations to help to clarify okay. what it's their situation. You didn't create the situation, but now right. you're helping unfold it, explain it, uh, clarify it and set expectations around it. So that payoff recommendation is huge. Now, uh, the next question I want to ask you, Nicole, because I, I've been doing a lot of traditional real estate I've been selling a lot of homes and the market is amazing. And I think why short sales? Like, isn't everybody's, isn't everybody appreciating? Isn't everyone, their homes are going up in value. Like short sales are for when the market's going down and things are getting worse. Like what, what are short sales still necessary in such a good market? Oh, absolutely. I mean, and I, I, I would disagree on that. It's such a good market just because I feel like this last year uh, we were preparing for a major downturn because we're seeing, you know, foreclosure and default rates go up and the, it's shifting to a buyer's market. And when that happens, sellers lose the power to be able to sell and sell quickly. So in these situations, that's where you see more and more short sales. But when we were in our prime, like when you were getting out of short sales and I was still doing it, when you were talking about earlier, um, I remember my broker at the time and he's like, what? You specialize in short sales? Like what? There's no short sales around here. And I was trying to explain to him, I was like, look, in any market, there's going to be a need for short sales because it's not just based off of the price or the market going up. It's based off of someone's financial um, situation. So you've got people that are always going to have hardships. And the reason why they get themselves in a no equity position is because they get into the trap of loan modifications. They get into the trap of forbearance. And so I won't, you know, that's a whole other podcast <laughs> talking about loan mods because uh, I can get on my whole spiel about them. But just understand that that's the main reason why. Now, of course, the market has a play in, you know, whether there are more short sales because if the prices are going down drastically and people have to sell, they lose the power to be able to do that. But the majority of the short sales are because of the financial hardship, not because of the, the condition of the house which is a huge misconception because most people think short sales are like these gutted, disgusting homes. We just sold a $900,000 short sale. Like that's like not even, most people are just like, what? This is a short sale? I'm like, yes, because the seller 
did bankruptcy and lost a job. Like it had nothing to do. The house is absolutely beautiful. So that's a huge misconception. No, and you you hit the nail on the head, and I, I kind of I kind of set you on a, set set you up for that one. I know that um, oftentimes we think that it's just about distress in the market, and also there's other forms of distress, specifically in the homeowner and the person. So thank you for that. Stressors are still still coming; they're still all over the place. So I want to dig in a little bit into your your business and some of the numbers of this. And and you shared with me yeah. that you you focus on the listing side, the, the short sale side. Right. You got team members for the buyer side. How many units did you guys sell last year? So total with buyer and with the listings, 221. Awesome. Uh, wow. Now with just short sales, 146. Wow. So you're very listing heavy, very short sale heavy. Yes. And are most of your buyers coming from like signs and from leads from those short sales or are they, they're, where are those buyers coming from? It's a mix of both. Um, the buyers are coming from, of course, you know, just lead calls because we have so many um, listings, but it's also coming just from like sphere of influence, like you know, I'm really out there on social media. So people referring over, I mean, I'm going to be honest, like, I don't even know where my super key is. Like I haven't worked with a buyer in like years. I think the last buyer was like my sister and I told her figure out where you want to live, you know? So most of it just comes, I refer everything out to the team because I practice what I preach. I don't, you know, do anything else but short sales. And I tell my agents and the people I mentor, I'm like, you have to focus on one thing and go all in. And that's how you're really going to be successful on a high level. I think that answered your question. Yeah. <laughs> I have ADD. So, I'm like <laughs> so how, many, how many active listings do you have right now? We're at a little bit of over 140. So it's in, the, in that range. Um, it's crazy because we've had massive growth in the last 18 months. Uh, we went national a year and a half ago. And when we did it, um, I did it in a cool style. I just kind of went all in. And, and I was like, okay, just kidding. We can't go into that many markets at once. Cause you know, I'm a salesperson too. So I'm the CEO, but I'm a salesperson at heart. So I'm like saying no to business. No, no, we'll figure it out. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. And then it caught up to us. And I was like, okay, we, we have to narrow it down to these markets where we have, you know, boots on the ground. Cause it's not just in Texas anymore. So yeah, it's, it's definitely been uh, crazy. We're actually trying to get up to 200 listings a month by the end of the year. That's the 2020 goal. Wow. Tribeofmillionaires.com. Guys, write that down. Rockstar Nation got a free special offer for you. Now, I've just written a book, and it's just been published. Co-authored it with David Osborne, who's been on this show multiple times. If you don't know David, he is one of the top execs at Keller Williams Real Estate, was personally mentored for the last two decades by Gary Keller himself, and he's in all kinds of businesses. His bio and explanation and, and everything is in this book. But anyways, David and I got together. We decided to write a book. We called it Tribe of Millionaires, and I guarantee you it's going to change your life. To find out more, just go to tribeofmillionaires.com. We're going to give it to you absolutely free. Only thing we ask in return is, of course, number one, you pay the shipping. Not a big deal. But number two, that you go on Amazon and write us a review. We're really looking to get an incredible amount of reviews. And because of that, we're giving this book away for free. Go to tribeofmillionaires.com today. Rockstar Nation, thanks so much for listening. Don't forget to stay to the end where our guests will be offering a free gift. As you know, all of our guests offer a free gift, and all of these gifts can be found on the Agent Success Toolbox. You could find that by going to hybendigital.com backslash toolbox or simply texting the word toolbox to 444 444 
That's toolbox to 444999. I am going to put today's free gift in today's show notes. But if you want all of them, including gifts from most of our guests that have come on the show, just go to the Agent Success Toolbox. Now, where are your listings coming from, if you, you don't mind? Where, where are these leads coming in? 100% referral. I'm 100% referral. So we're doing this on a high level, and it's from realtors, from investors, anybody that's going to – I mean, we, we now, because of our growth and our influence on social media, I'm now getting homeowners coming directly to us. But I built my entire business on 100% referral, which is a huge deal because, you know, running a business on a high level, it, it – a couple things I get asked all the time, like, how are you able to do that with consistency, right? Because we don't know. The thing is, is when you're cold calling and you're prospecting, you can gauge like, I'm going to make this many contacts, and then I'm going to get this much business. But when you're referral, you're like, "Uh, I hope my phone rings today. (laughs) Exactly. So it's consistency with building relationships. And here's another very simple concept. It's doing what you say you're going to do. Mm. So having realtors refer to us was a huge deal. And it took a really, really long time to earn that trust and respect because most realtors are like, I'll figure it out myself. And we've been 100% referral for five years now. Before five years, I was getting some referrals and then I was cold calling. And so I'm grateful I don't have to do that anymore. <laughs> there's a there's a nugget there guys if you're going to work by referral you must do what you say you're going to do right and yes, in order for exactly. that to keep going that that pipeline will dry up if people don't believe that you're actually going to fulfill what you said that you were going to do absolutely now, i'm gonna put you on the spot for those nine, nine nine markets you are in what are they so that if we've got people that know people there they can refer them to you what nine markets are you in right now yeah so pretty much all of texas so anywhere in Texas, we can service. So I just count that as one big market. <laughs> we have an, a physical office in Houston, uh, Dallas, and San Antonio, but we're, we're all over in Texas. New Jersey is another market that we're in. Uh, we have a couple agents there. Florida is going to be our second biggest market, um, specifically Miami, Orlando, and then now Tampa. Um, and we have, look, I'm doing my cheat sheet on my, on my board, uh, Wisconsin, we are in Boston, uh, Massachusetts, and then we can, I can send you a whole list. That's all awesome. I remember at the top of my head. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. And can, can they find that on your website as well? Yes. They can find that all on my website. Okay. Awesome. Which is? Um, it's the ss queen.com. queen.com. And then you'll have, um, our you know YouTube channel um, about us, how you can refer leads to us, how you can get free education. So we we put a lot of different stuff on there. Awesome, awesome. Now I want to ask you a few more things about your business. Obviously, this is going to take a lot of systems to run. I mean, to do that many transactions, yeah. it's going to take people. It's going to take processes. What are some systems, some tools, some technology? People, what do you what have you learned in this process in in running a real, big real estate business? So. I wrote a book about short sales, right? So it's called Short Sales Uncensored. And I only mentioned that because I could write a whole other book of what not to do <laughs> when scaling because that has been the biggest pain in the butt, especially as entrepreneurs. Um, you know, I think we assume that if we're really good at sales, um, that we have the capacity to be able to run a team at a high level. And most people fail because we're not good leaders and we're not good at implementing, right? We're the visionaries, but we're not the implementers. So that has been a crash and burn learning experience for me. 
I think when you're growing, you have to figure out, you know, why do you want to grow? Like, what is your intent to grow? Is it just because you think bigger is better? Because I promise it's not. It just means more bodies, more stress, more everything. Uh, my main focus has been now profitability and less growth. And so, which sounds crazy, right? Because we equate growth to profitability, but it's not. Um, you can grow massively and your bottom line sucks where it's like, why didn't I just stay small? And so that's kind of honestly been this whole journey um, as, as we expanded of less focus on growth and more on being profitable. So that's been a huge lesson learned. Um, as far as systems, I can tell you that it, I had to start, you know, this again is a whole other podcast of me rebuilding my business. But uh, the short version is that I had fired everyone and kind of started over uh, because I was at a capacity of like 30 or 40 listings a month. And I'm like, okay, I can get the business, but why can't I grow? And it was because I was still in every part of the business. So I could not grow because I, I'm only one person, right? So I wasn't hiring intentionally uh, for those roles. And so we started, um, I started over, I hired my operations manager. When you talk about like the right people, um, the best advice I can give if you're trying to grow a team or if you're trying to grow period is to really figure out who you are, like what's your leadership style are you an integrator or are you a visionary? Because if you don't know what your weaknesses are, you're going to try to take on a bunch of things that you shouldn't be. I mean, I have the ability to learn new things, but like, why should I, if, if, if I, I need some, a counterpart, um, someone else to be able to fill that role because they're going to do it twice, you know, better than me in, in half the time. And so that was really important because again, I'm a, a huge visionary. So I've always seen this big picture but it was so hard to get there. It was failing the entire way to get there, kind of like stumbling, crawling, you know, to try to get there because of implementation, because I couldn't see like, okay, well, how do we continue to streamline? Because that's, that's not the way I think. The way I think is, hey, we're going to get it done. Like, it may be sloppy, it may be whatever, but we're going to get it done. And we could not scale that way. So with this many human beings, which is, by the way, a lot of human beings on a monthly basis, uh, the only way that we could scale was integrating the system. We use Infusionsoft, so that's our CRM. And it was breaking down my business and saying, okay, what are things that we do multiple times a day? And if you look at it that way, you think, okay, if I do this multiple, how can I implement a system, a process so that we don't have to keep having the same conversation. Do we record a video? Do we, you know, put, you know, a link there where people can go there instead, like things like that. And that was a complete game changer because, and I, I wish, I wish that along my journey that I would have gotten over myself and learned from people that were doing this at a high level, because I would have come at the place that we are now a lot quicker and probably would have drinking a lot less during the way. So <laughs> <laughs> I've got to unpack some of that because some of that was just so valuable. There's so many good pieces there. And, and, um, and I want you guys to hear this for our listeners, anything that we're doing multiple times per day, do we need a video? Do we need a checklist? Do we need a system? How do we make this more streamlined, more automated, more leveraged, more simple so that we can not keep repeating ourselves multiple times per day? And I would even go as far as to say, even if we're doing it multiple times per week or multiple times per month, or if I have to do anything more than three times, we should have a system for that. How do we document it, make it easy, someone else does it or the computer does it? Another piece that we'll go back to uh, was the uh, visionary versus integrator and recognizing who am I? Now, I have to give Nicole props because she's obviously implemented a lot of things despite being more of the visionary role. So early on, you just scrape by and figure it out, right? We're going to get it done. That was her motto. Yes. 
That's and, a hustle. <laughs> yeah, the hustle. You got to have hustle, right? You, if you're a visionary, yeah. you don't get to get away with no hustle. So don't hear me right. that if you're a visionary, you can just have the vision and never actually do anything. Right. And yet the visionary puts the hustle in place and then as quickly as possible finds the next person, the operations manager, that integrator and says, please help me because I've got this big vision. We're going somewhere, but I need you to help me implement those systems. Absolutely. And then the other nugget, and there were several, but the other nugget that I really want to unpack is why do you want to grow? What's the real reason you're growing? Is it ego? Do you need to humble yourself and let somebody else help you? Do you need to just have a small business because growing would not be profitable, would not be beneficial for you? And I think sometimes we grow because it's like, I want to look cool. I want to have those big units. Like I want to be like Nicole and have 220 units that everyone looks, thinks I'm so amazing. Instead of saying, did I, did I put money in the bank? Did I invest in real estate? Am I building a life for my family? Did I, did I work too many hours? I work not, you know, right. Um, So why do you want to grow? And I can already see that, that uh, maybe Nicole's learned this just like I have from the lessons of dealing with people that eventually you start to grow and you start to grow for the people, for the people that are in your business. And early on, sometimes we grow because it's our ego. And then we realize if I don't like these people, if I'm not making their life better, then I better not be doing this. It's not worth the, the time, the energy, the, the lives, the souls that I'm having to impact. Unless I have that, that more altruistic, like, okay, we're going to grow for, for the people that we're going to be able to serve and the people that get to be part of our world. Right. Well, let's make sure we got the right people on the bus because otherwise it's a sucky bus. It, it definitely does. Oh my gosh. <laughs> totally, totally. So I love, I love that other piece. You know, we usually ask what your favorite piece of system or technology is. And you said Infusionsoft is what you guys use. And I've used Infusionsoft for a long time as well. Um, what, what are some of the, uh, switching gears for a second, what's one of the biggest problems that you're dealing with that you wish you could solve or that you would wave a magic wand and try to, to solve? So at the level that we're at now, honestly, and this is something that is going to be a continual thing, it's not going to um, ever change, is, is hiring. Like, and I think that anyone on, uh, on really on a high level is going to tell you the same thing, is finding good people. Because I can ask, I've always had a great culture. I've always had phenomenal human beings. But in the beginning, it was they didn't have the capacity to keep growing. They were great at this certain level, but when we kept growing, they couldn't grow with us. So it was understanding people, what they, what their role should be versus what they want it to be. So I think um, the biggest challenge, honestly, is just human beings, like mm. finding people that align with your vision, that buy into it, and that really care as much as you do, um, because they understand like the bigger picture. And if I could wave a I mean, it would just be like, can we hurry up and put the right people <laughs> And it's always looking for talent. You know, I think that a lot of times people find their immediate need and they can't project their future hires. And that's something that is huge because a lot of times we just say, okay, well, you know, we have, it's, we're drowning right now. So we have this body. Okay, we're good. And in order to avoid constantly that drowning, overwhelming feeling, you have to continually look for talent so that you can project the hires for your organization. And that was a huge thing for me because I was just like, you know, again, that whole hustle, get it done mentality, really changing my perspective of saying, I don't want to have a business of chaos anymore. I don't want to have a business of this stressful, there's always a fire to put out. I mean, there always is going to be, I mean, even if you don't do short sales, you know, just in traditional real estate, there's always going to be fire. So get over it, you know, <laughs> just understand going into it that that's going to happen. Like you're, you're going to be the solution provider in this situation. So um, that would probably be our, our, our biggest uh, battle always. Cause it's also, it's exhausting interviewing, it's exhausting training. I mean, it's just, you know, that whole thing. <laughs> 
going get so that's that's amazing advice and now i on that same note i want to go back going back to the the very early version of you the rookie agent version or the brand new agent like what advice would you give yourself uh that you know now and you wish you knew back then well first of all if you're listening to this podcast you're already a, he- a step ahead of me <laughs> i'm just gonna put that out there <laughs> because when i was in the business you know we're so like in a world uh where it's so blessed to have access to knowledge like this people that people are willing to give back because when i got in the business we didn't have i mean we had youtube but it, but it wasn't at a high level you know there wasn't podcasts that i was aware of or at least it wasn't you know a thing and it was very difficult it, only if you went to like seminars and things like that and even then they were only giving you like shallow information so um Honestly, there's no excuse not to educate yourself. There's no excuse to not dive in and to learn from other people. And I wish that I would have valued that more because again, we go back to ego and I don't think it was ego like, oh, I could do it all. I think it was more of, I'll figure it out. I got this. I'll figure it out. And that stood in my way of growth for years years and it was very expensive like it was so expensive because i'd be like oh crap i just threw a couple grand there up not getting an roi oh crap this system sucks i should have done it like this and really humbling myself and it wasn't until i fired everyone that i was like okay so starting from scratch (laughs) let's figure this out and i got to the point where i was so overwhelmed i was broke i was making a crap ton of money on paper but i was broke because I was putting all the money back into the business the wrong way. And so it wasn't until I got to that point where I was like, okay, so I can either start over and do this the right way so I can continue to scale or I just quit. And I'm too stubborn to quit. So I figured it out. That's awesome. That's awesome. And, and maybe another piece along this, because it, it kind of goes with that. Would you give any advice to agents to increase their sales? Like what, if somebody's struggling to actually sell the amount of homes they need to make money, like what one piece of advice would you give them? Go out there like get out there. Like you're not going to sell houses on your computer, like at home. Like you have to be out in the world. We as human beings love to over overcomplicate things. We love to try to figure out like people think I have to have the perfect website, like reality check. I was eight years in the business and then I got a website. Like, I, I, I have literally told people that I'm like, website is like six months in, like, don't worry about that. Or a year in, two years in, like, don't even worry about a website. Just go, you need a business card. Just tell yeah. people you'll te- like, Oh, I, I ran out of business cards. Let me text you. And uh, that's so funny. I, yeah. I don't even carry my business cards. Like, I mean, yes, I have a, a big presence on social media, but like, I don't, I stopped doing that a long time ago because I realized from day one that this is a relationship business. So if I'm, and how do you build relationships? It's not, figuring out how to order business cards and stressing about your website. And don't get me wrong, like in this day and age, yes, it is fundamental. You know, if you're, if you're in luxury, whatever, but I can tell you from just in any, in any world or any niche that you're in, you have just have to take action. Like mm-hmm. if you're not making sales, it's because you're not having enough conversations. It's because you're not doing the, the actions or the income producing activities that you're supposed to be doing every day. Not on the days you feel like it, not on the days that you decide or get excited about it, but if you're not seeing the results, it's because you're not putting in the right kind of work. So the best advice I can give you is to just go out there and have more conversations. Like it really is that simple. 
That's amazing. Seriously, I was like taking notes as I go like, that is, that's the message that everyone needs to hear, right? Um, it's about relationships. And if you're not getting the success you want, you're not having enough conversations. It's not that you didn't hand out your business card enough. It's not that you didn't have a website. It's that you didn't have enough person-to-person conversations that resulted in that person trusting you for real estate and then you becoming their, their advisor, the, the person that helps them. So I love that. You've got to have more conversations. You've got to build those relationships. Well, Nicole, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a big ask because I heard you okay. mention earlier about uh, your book, The Short, Short Sales yes. Uncensored, and I'm thinking that there's probably a lot of value in that. Do you, is there a place that, that our listeners can get access to that? We always like to give something away. You know what, actually, would you be willing to give us the PDF version of that? We'll put it in the Dropbox and those agents can get access to that? Absolutely. Sweet. Okay. So we're going to make sure we get short sales and censored. Now there's probably some other resources at your website as well. Again, that was T-H-E-S-S-Queen.com and they can check out those other resources. I, I, there's so much, like, I feel like we could do three podcasts worth of short sale <laughs> knowledge. You gave us so much, so much basic value. And, and I do think that if someone's interested in short sales or they want to know how to help those people and, and get maybe referrals off of that, they should go yeah. read the short sale, uh, sorry, short sales uncensored. And, uh, is there anything, any final thoughts or any parting wisdom? You, you gave us so many little value drops, anything else that we should know? Absolutely. So if this is something that you're wanting to learn more about or, you know, figure out if this is what you're wanting to do, you know, head to our website, uh, vssqueen.com. We have a lot, we have the course, um, you know, you can buy the, the book short sales uncensored. And then the easiest place to go to is YouTube. Um, you subscribe to the short sell queen. Uh, we do weekly videos, uh, with other top producers tips on if you are processing short sales. So, you know, definitely subscribe to the channel. We're doing, we're trying to put out as much value and content as possible, uh, to just help the community and, you know, put that out there. Awesome. Thank you so much. You've been amazing. This has been a great interview. I can't wait to have you on again. And we really appreciate you, Nicole. Talk to you soon. All right. Thanks for having me. Rockstar Nation. Thank you for listening to Real Estate Rockstars. Listen, I need a favor. If you find this free content helpful, if you find our downloadable items from each guest helpful, please I need you to pull out your pointing finger, yes, the one finger that points at people, and hit subscribe. Yes, subscribe. The more subscribers we get, the better we look in the ratings, and the easier it is to get guests like Robert Kiyosaki, Barbara Corcoran, all the players that are on the million-dollar listing in the different cities. All that stuff makes it easier the more subscribers we get, so please subscribe. And listen... There's a lot of places you can leave comments. There's a lot of places you can like. We're on Facebook. We have an Instagram page. Instagram page is I am Pat Hyben. The Facebook is Real Estate Rockstars Radio. Feel free to leave us comments there. The most popular form of commenting seems to happen on YouTube. Yes, for whatever reason, it's a very open environment. So just go to YouTube and go to Real Estate Rockstars Radio and leave us comments there. Some of them we will read on the show. And we love your feedback. So thanks, guys, and I hope you are having a great day. Oh, and also, listen, if you're going to subscribe and you haven't already left us a, a review on iTunes, please do that, too. Have a great day, and thanks so much, Rockstar Nation. I really appreciate you.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.